Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane. Today, we are going to finish up the first section of The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. So sit back, relax, and let me read to you. Klaus discovers humanity, and Klaus leaves the forest. Chapter 6 Klaus Discovers Humanity Taking Klaus to a small clearing in the forest, the master said, Place your hand upon my girdle and hold fast while we journey through the air. For now we shall encircle the world and look upon many of the haunts of those men from whom you are descended. These words caused Klaus to marvel for until now he had thought himself the only one of his kind upon the earth. Yet in silence he grasped firmly the girdle of the great Ock, his astonishment forbidding speech. Then the vast forest of Burzee seemed to fall away from their feet, and the youth found himself passing swiftly through the air at a great height. Ere long there were spires beneath them, while buildings of many shapes and colors met their downward view. It was a city of men. And Ak, pausing to descend, led Klaus to its enclosure. Said the master, So long as you hold fast to my girdle, you will remain unseen by all mankind, though seeing clearly yourself. To release your grasp will be to separate yourself forever from me and your home in Burzee. One of the first laws of the forest is obedience, and Klaus had no thought of disobeying the master's wish. He clung fast to the girdle and remained invisible. Thereafter, with each moment passed in the city, the youth's wonder grew. He, who had supposed himself created differently from all others, now found the earth swarming with creatures of his own kind. Indeed, said Ak, the immortals are few, but the mortals are many. Klaus looked earnestly upon his fellows. There were sad faces, gay and reckless faces, pleasant faces, anxious faces, and kindly faces, all mingled in puzzling disorder. Some worked at tedious tasks. Some strutted in impudent conceit. Some were thoughtful and grave, while others seemed happy and content. Men of many natures were there, as everywhere, and Klaus found much to please him and much to make him sad. But especially he noted the children, first curiously, then eagerly, then lovingly. Ragged little ones rolled in the dust of the streets, 
playing with scraps and pebbles. Other children, gaily dressed, were propped upon cushions and fed with sugar plums. Yet the children of the rich were not happier than those playing with the dust and pebbles, it seemed to Klaus. Childhood is the time of man's greatest content, said Ak, following the youth's thoughts. "'Tis during these years of innocent pleasure that the little ones are most free from care. "'Tell me,' said Klaus, "'why do not all these babies fare alike?' "'Because they are born in both cottage and palace,' returned the master. "'The difference in the wealth of the parents determines the lot of the child. "'Some are carefully tended and clothed in silks and dainty linen.' Others are neglected and covered with rags. Yet all seem equally fair and sweet, said Klaus thoughtfully. While they are babes, yes, agreed Ak. Their joy is in being alive, and they do not stop to think. In after years the doom of mankind overtakes them, and they find they must struggle and worry, work and fret, to gain the wealth that is so dear to the hearts of men. Such things are unknown in the forest where you were reared. Klaus was silent for a moment. Then he asked, Why was I reared in the forest among those who are not of my race? Then Ak, in gentle voice, told him the story of his babyhood how he had been abandoned at the forest's edge and left a prey to wild beasts, and how the loving nymph Nasil had rescued him and brought him to manhood under the protection of the immortals. Yet I am not of them, said Klaus musingly. You are not of them, returned the woodsman. The nymph who cared for you as a mother seems now like a sister to you. By and by, when you grow old and gray, she will seem like a daughter. Yet another brief span and you will be but a memory, while she remains Nasil. Then why, if man must perish, is he born? demanded the boy. Everything perishes except the world itself and its keepers, answered Ak. But while life lasts, everything on earth has its use. The wise seek ways to be helpful to the world, for the helpful ones are sure to live again. Much of this Klaus failed to understand fully, but a longing seized him to become helpful to his fellows, and he remained grave and thoughtful while they resumed their journey. They visited many dwellings of men in many parts of the world, watching farmers toil in the fields, warriors dash into cruel fray, and merchants exchange their goods for bits of white and yellow metal. And everywhere the eyes of Klaus sought out the children in love and pity. For the thought of his own helpless babyhood was strong within him, and he yearned to give help to the innocent little ones of his race, even as he had been succored by the kindly nymph. Day by day, the master woodsman and his pupil traversed the earth, Ak speaking but seldom to the youth, who clung steadfastly to his girdle, but guiding him into all places where he might become familiar with the lives of human beings. 
and at last they returned to the grand old forest of Burzee, where the master set Klaus down within the circle of nymphs, among whom the pretty Nisil anxiously awaited him. The brow of the great Ak was now calm and peaceful, but the brow of Klaus had become lined with deep thought. Nisil sighed at the change in her foster son, who until now had been ever joyous and smiling, and the thought came to her that never again would the life of the boy be the same as before this eventful journey with the master. Chapter 7 Klaus Leaves the Forest When good Queen Zerline had touched the golden chalice with her fair lips, and had passed around the circle in honor of the traveler's return, the master woodsman of the world, who had not yet spoken, turned his gaze frankly upon Klaus and said, Well? The boy understood, and rose slowly to his feet beside Nasil. Once only his eyes passed around the familiar circle of nymphs, every one of whom he remembered as a loving comrade but tears came unbidden to dim his sight, so he gazed thereafter steadfastly at the master. I have been ignorant, said he, simply, until the great Ock in his kindness taught me who and what I am. You, who live so sweetly in your forest bowers, ever fair and youthful and innocent, are no fit comrades for a son of humanity. For I have looked upon man, finding him doomed to live for a brief space upon earth, to toil for the things he needs, to fade into old age, and then to pass away as the leaves in autumn. Yet every man has his mission, which is to leave the world better in some way than he found it. I am of the race of men, and man's lot is my lot for your tender care of the poor forsaken babe you adopted, as well as for your loving comradeship during my boyhood, my heart will ever overflow with gratitude. My foster mother. Here, he stopped and kissed Nisiel's white forehead. I shall love and cherish while life lasts. But I must leave you, to take my part in the endless struggle to which humanity is doomed and to live my life in my own way. What will you do? asked the queen gravely. I must devote myself to the care of the children of mankind, and try to make them happy, he answered, since your own tender care of a babe brought to me happiness and strength. It is just and right that I devote my life to the pleasure of other babes. Thus will the memory of the loving nymph Nisil be planted within the hearts of thousands of my race for many years to come, and her kindly act be recounted in song and in story while the world shall last. Have I spoken well, O oh master? You have spoken well, returned Ak, and rising to his feet he continued. Yet... One thing must not be forgotten. Having been adopted as the child of the forest and the playfellow of the nymphs, you have gained a distinction which forever separates you from your kind. Therefore, 
when you go forth into the world of men, you shall retain the protection of the forest, and the powers you now enjoy will remain with you to assist you in your labors. In any need you may call upon the nymphs, the reels, the knooks, and the fairies, and they will serve you gladly. I, the master woodsman of the world, have said it, and my word is law. Klaus looked upon Ak with grateful eyes. This will make me mighty among men, he replied. Protected by these kind friends, I may be able to make thousands of little children happy. I will try very hard to do my duty. And I know the forest people will give me their sympathy and help. We will, said the fairy queen earnestly. We will, cried the merry rills, laughing. We will, shouted the crooked knooks, scowling. We will, exclaimed the sweet nymphs proudly. But Nisil said nothing. She only folded Klaus in her arms and kissed him tenderly. The world is big, continued the boy, turning again to his loyal friends. But men are everywhere. I shall begin my work near my friends, so that if I meet with misfortune, I can come to the forest for counsel or help. With that, he gave them all a loving look and turned away. There was no need to say goodbye. For him, the sweet, wild life of the forest was over. He went forth bravely to meet his doom, the doom of the race of man, the necessity to worry and work. But Ak, who knew the boy's heart, was merciful and guided his steps. Coming through Bursey to its eastern edge, Klaus reached the laughing valley of Ho-Ha-Ho. On each side were rolling green hills, and a brook wandered midway between them to wind afar off beyond the valley. At his back was the grim forest. At the far end of the valley, a broad plain. The eyes of the young man which had until now reflected his grave thoughts, became brighter as he stood silent, looking out upon the laughing valley. Then, on a sudden, his eyes twinkled, as stars do on a still night, and grew merry and wide. For at his feet the cowslips and daisies smiled on him in friendly regard. The breeze whistled gaily as it passed by, and fluttered the locks on his forehead. The brook laughed joyously as it leapt over the pebbles and swept around the green curves of its bank. The bees sang sweet songs as they flew from dandelion to daffodil. The beetles chirruped happily in the long grass, and the sunbeams glinted pleasantly over all the scene. Here, cried Klaus, stretching out his arms as if to embrace the valley, will I make my home. That was many, many years ago, and it has been his home ever since. It is his home now.
Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is proudly produced by Lantern Audio Works. To listen to our other original fiction podcasts, check out our website, www.lanternaudioworks.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Celosia Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.